what will your future look like? The job you do today could be different than the jobs of tomorrow. Some see this as a challenge. At UCF, we see opportunity. A chance for you to grow your knowledge and strengthen your skills from anywhere life might take you. With in-demand degree programs and resources for your success, UCF Online can help you prepare for the future and all the possibilities that come with it. From the University of Central Florida's Center for Distributed Learning, I'm Tom Cavanaugh. And I'm Kelvin Thompson. And you are listening to TopCast, the teaching online podcast. Hello, Kelvin. Hey, Tom. I like that podcast. It's a decent podcast. You know, could be worse. Very, very decent, I must say, to quote the <laughs> famous Ed Grimley. Wow, there's a there's a callback. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how many people listening know who Ed Grimley is. <laughs> Only people with uh, silver in their follicles. <laughs> maybe, maybe the great, the very great Martin Short. That's right. Who uh, who I heard? Uh, did I hear this just recently? I thought. Yeah, okay. Martin Short's Canadian. I was listening to a Mark Maron podcast, and I always, for some reason, have to pause for a second. Dana Carvey and uh, and Martin Short, I sometimes will confuse. Dana Carvey is from, um, is from oh, Montana. California. I heard Montana is what Montana? somebody said. Yeah. Oh. So I've Montana. heard him interviewed a number of times. Maybe he's lived in Southern California. Yeah, it could so be. Long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Actually, Marin County, I thought. Because okay, he's talked about point. doing early stand-up when he was very young and, and oh. knowing Robin Williams and when he was working the clubs. Up I'll, have to go, I'll have to go back and listen now because it, uh, it was the J.K. Um, Simmon, Simmons uh, uh, interview, um, which I enjoyed a lot. That guy, you know, it turns out he has a music degree, studied conducting, and then like that role that he got the Oscar for, and I, which I haven't seen in Whiplash, he actually was conducting. And he said, no, I, I got a degree in that. I went on the fake it. The director was like, don't worry about it, we'll bring in a body double. No, I can actually read charts. I can, I can wave my hands to the music, it's fine. Any rate, Mark Maron. Uh, but none of that is what we're here to talk about yeah, today, Tom. we have <laughs> on a very, very odd little cul-de-sac there. But come with us, dear listener, because we'll bring you back. Maybe. Uh, yeah. We- but you know what? This is interesting because, you know, we're going to have one of our field reports from the mm-hmm. front lines of mm-hmm. pandemic instruction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I was commenting to somebody recently is that because we live our lives on Zoom, or mm. Skype or Microsoft Teams, which is I've had all three today. Yeah. Um, Speak about wh- whiplash. There's some yeah, whiplash exactly. right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, literally, I've been in all three today. So, um, what I've noticed is that the kind of conversation you and I just had, mm-hmm. I don't have anymore. Yeah, because they're just agenda-driven. Yeah you know, virtual meetings. I don't have the just leaning in the doorway or catching you at the hallway or right. something and just hear I heard a funny story from a colleague uh, when we first started coming back to the office. You and I are both sitting in the office right mm-hmm. now. Um, and and she told me this hilarious story. And then I realized I haven't heard a funny story from a colleague <laughs> since March. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. sorry, listeners. That's you got right. to hear me and Kelvin catch up a little because hey, we haven't really right. been doing it. But hey, maybe maybe this is sort of that virtual, you know, collegial conversation virtually. It's, you, you need a little of this, you know, because yeah, maybe we're in the same yeah. boat we that's, are. That social lubrication people mm-hmm. are kind of missing now. I, I think there's, 
and I think for virtual companies or virtual mm-hmm. organizations, uh, of which we are, we haven't been one until March hit. No, um, mm-hmm. they've figured out how to do that. Mm-hmm. They work it into their their life. The the way the the business, the organization runs, they work in some of that social lubricant, if you will, of, of having those kinds of conversations and having a couple of minutes or having a happy hour or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but those of us that haven't lived in, in that way, you know, I've noticed its absence. I try, Tom, um, I don't know if you know this, I very deliberately try to bring the extraneous into every interaction that I have. <laughs> yeah, I know that about you. <laughs> Just lubricating the social. That's, that's what yes. we're doing. <laughs> well, speaking of lubricant, I've got yes. a cup of beverage in front of me that you poured for me today. I did. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a nice cup of coffee. So you're probably wondering what it is. Well, I'll tell you if you'd like to know. Tell me. So, so today's coffee is a single origin Honduras from the Santa Barbara region of Honduras, not California, and the Finca Las Brisas farm produced by Dennis Teruel. This coffee was roasted by Victrola Coffee Roasters in Seattle, Washington. And Tom, if you've been paying attention, this description might sound familiar to you, but this is your first time tasting the coffee because this coffee made a previous appearance during the early days of our at-home recordings of the podcast during episode 65, field report number two. <laughs> <Numero> <laughs> Who we'd be doing yeah. this many of them? This yeah, is field really. report number seven. Uh, it was in my cup at that time, but it was not in yours because, hey, we were totally uh, separate at home. But now we're both drinking it. So I'll ask you how the coffee is again. You said it was good, but I'll put yeah. you on the spot. And, no, and how's the I connection? Do. I like it. And um, the connection is... (laughs) The connection. um, (laughs) The connection. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm getting the connection other than it's it's linked to the early days of our... COVID transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a this the the theme of today's episode. It seems like is callbacks, right? So um, this is a coffee from our post COVID episode, and and dare I say that five months ago, maybe we thought we'd have been out the back end of this thing by now and have ended the field reports and be on to talking really truly post COVID. But here we are still during COVID, um, so we can share this coffee now, but. We're still not back to normal exactly. You know, we can We're not actually in the same room. No, and even though we can share the cup of coffee, so that's progress, but we're not in the same room. So it's not real normal five months after the previous episode was recorded. And we're all, though, trying to figure out, well, what are the next steps? What's, you know, oh, gosh, we get so tired of the, the new normal or whatever, but finding our way, you know, finding some kind of equilibrium. So uh, this was coffee that was obtained during the cancellation of the Educause Learning Initiative Conference in Seattle back in February 2020. Uh, it was brought home by instructional designer Charlotte Jones-Roberts. And so we're, instead of waiting to break it open until we're back together again, we're going to break it out now and talk about, draw a line in the sand and, and what are the, what's the next step forward. So that's my connection. That's yeah. my help. That's my primer for, for today's episode. <laughs> so what do you got? Yeah, I, I, I guess I was, I was on the right track by, by the callback to the previous mm-hmm. episode and the, and the connection to the COVID. But we are, we are going to talk about what's next. We're going to talk about um, spring planning um, and uh, how we're all starting to uh, prepare for uh, the another, another semester where we may be dealing with, um, with a pandemic. Um, I want to I just take a moment to thank Charlotte 
uh, for flying all the way to Seattle to buy us a bag of coffee, then turning around and coming right home. <laughs> Thanks, we did Charlotte. talk about her, I think, in, a, in that episode. We did. Uh, in, that, in that trip, uh, unfortunately. She, she was the first... Um, or at least her trip was the first casualty right. of all of our travel bans and everything right. that we're all under right That's now. Right. Um, so maybe, Charlotte, you should have stayed a little bit longer <laughs> in <laughs> Seattle while you had the chance because yeah. we're all locked down now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. At least she got there. I think we had other yeah. people that didn't quite make it. They, they got turned around yeah. en route, en route. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So as a reminder, for as long as this current reality of remote teaching lasts, we are continuing a monthly mini-series of field reports in our first Monday episodes of TopCast, in which we focus upon some aspect of this unique circumstance. Meanwhile, on the third Monday episodes, we will continue on with our guest interviews because life goes on. And I guess we'll have to talk about at some point, Tom, how long we, you know, consider remote teaching like a, a temporary thing and how long we keep on going to the field reports. I think we'll do a few more maybe um, and see yeah, from there. Yeah, kind of before we pressed record today, we were just talking about that. Like we, we thought this field report thing would be just a, a little temporary uh, mini-series within the yeah. world of of Topcast, but um, it looks like there's there's no <laughs> no light at the end of the tunnel right now, uh, at least as far as how we're teaching. Um, I guess as long as we have something to say about it, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Um, yeah. But at a certain point, it may be that that we start transitioning to maybe some more of our standard conversations and, and bring in mm-hmm. COVID-ish elements. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to be in double digits in our field reports here pretty soon. <laughs> wow. But back in our, speaking of our callback, in episode 65, which was field report number two, preparing for the post-COVID future, we said that, one, our general approach has been to rely more on actual online courses than remote instruction in each semester and better prepare non-online faculty for remote instruction each semester. And secondly, we're already hearing voices in our field back then, five months ago, speaking about the longer term, aka years, uh, impact of COVID-19 and remote instruction. So this is where we pick up today's episode. As we record this episode, we are well into the fall 2020 term. And like our listeners, we continue to think about what's next. What does the next term hold? How do we prepare for what's to come? So we thought we'd have a conversation about that. Yeah, I've actually, within the past week or two, started getting questions um, and started having meetings about spring. And uh, so we're recording this in the middle of September. Uh, it's not too soon to start planning for spring because no. students will be You and I have been talking about spring for a long time. Um, yeah. It's been my observation. People, I'd say to people, you know, it seems like everybody was so focused on fall. You know, we were talking about fall because you had the summer, right? And a lot of institutions aren't doing stuff. And But we knew a lot more about the fall earlier than we do about the spring, I think, generally speaking, in our in our field. Yeah, well, it kind of reminds me a little of like when I was underage and you keep thinking, <laughs> when I turn 21, things will be better. I'll be able to have go to a bar and hang out with my friends. I'll have a drink. And, um, and so 21 becomes this thing in your head, mm. this milestone. Mm-hmm. So then you turn 21 and then nobody tells you you keep going, right? <laughs> what do you mean I get I get older, right? And so you keep getting older. Um, and uh-huh. you, 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 I kind of felt like fall was kind of our 21 in some ways. It's like, we just got to get set up for fall. We're teaching this blend flex yeah. thing. We got to yeah. get all the equipment installed. We got to train yeah. all our faculty. Like, whew, we did it. Fall. 
What? Yay. Keep on going. going? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And so we're looking You're at spring going. right now. And yeah. um, I, right now, uh, our assumption, I think, is that spring is going to present us with the same context mm -hmm. as fall has presented us. And we're going to probably end up doing basically the same kind of thing that we did for fall Mm -hmm. uh, for spring. I saw I don't know, a news headline just yesterday that, that some CEO from, I think, the world's largest manufacturer of vaccines uh, is an Indian company, mm -hmm. um, said it won't be until 2024 yeah. Yeah. that everybody in the world can get a vaccine or whatever it is. That's attention-grabbing, isn't it? It is, right. Um, now, we, we, there, there are privileges, right, to being in a wealthy Western country where we would probably end up getting them first or something. But still, mm -hmm. uh, it's a sobering headline that I saw. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, um, we better start really normalizing mask wearing <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> if we no haven't kidding. already. Uh, I mean, it pretty much is. I don't go anywhere. and I, don't, I mean, everybody wears masks every time I'm going out. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. mask wearers. We all yeah. appreciate it. Keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Keep keep doing that. Yeah, you know, bef before we hit record, I, you know, I, I said that I had run across, speaking of news items, I had run across this quote from uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the top infectious disease expert in the U.S., which maybe a lot of folks around the world are aware of as well. He was quoted in a news article saying, I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm not predicting. And I thought, well, dang, if that guy doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> what, what to anticipate. What are we going to talk about on this episode? <laughs> but, yeah. but I think we can talk about some some principles that we believe are wise, right, about um, what seems to be the smart course of action um, that we can weave into our work to help our institutions be successful, right? The, yeah, the, and, the, and there have been already some announcements. Like, the, yes. just like for fall, the Cal State system has already announced what they're doing mm -hmm. for spring and it's basically going to be what they did for fall, which is yeah. almost entirely online, except for some few exceptions. Uh, the, the, the ones I'm curious about are the, the schools that pivoted, yeah. like the UNCs or the Michigan States yeah. that that started face-to-face -face and, and tried to do everything they could and, and had plans and then uh, abandoned them. Um, when circumstances changed, what are they going to do for, for spring, I wonder? Right. Yeah, I think that's that's interesting. Um, and, you know, it seems like they get some criticism, right? There's a little bit of like, oh, make up your mind or whatever. And I think that is a that is a tough one, right? Because I think we, we've talked about this before. We need to be open-minded, right? And uh, and open to change and, and, and flexible and, and nimble and, and all. But then um, th there's a balance between that and staying the course, making a good decision and sticking with it to some extent. And, but I tend to agree with you. I think that generally most of our institutions are going to be doing some version of what in the spring of what we did in the fall, maybe with some tweaks, right? Like lessons learned, I hope, uh, you know, adjust things a little bit, some proportions maybe uh, adjust, but I suspect that's what we'll do at, at uh, UCF. I expect most institutions to do that. Um, but I think one of the things that we need to all say to each other is we should avoid expecting a quick snapback to the old normal. Like, yeah. I might have told you this, uh, a couple of us were having a conversation about some procedural operational stuff uh, maybe a month ago, and um, one of our dear colleagues uh, said, you know, okay, well, well, that thing that you said, that's, that's only for fall. And a couple of us looked at each other and looked at her and said, well, 
only for the fall. I, yeah, I think I would just assume that we're going to stay on this path that we're on until you hear differently. <laughs> Don't expect that our exigent circumstances of fall 2020 just poof. <laughs> Are going to go away, right? So don't expect a quick snapback. You know, it's going to be a while before we emerge and then, you know, focus on uh, these broader um, principles. Um, I think what we'll probably end up doing here, maybe a lot of other schools will do the same, is is, um, more evolutionary mm -hmm. from fall yeah. to spring than yeah, the kind yeah, of revolutionary yeah. that we yeah. implemented yeah. for the for the fall. Yeah. I, yeah. I could see us tweaking some things, some training, some practice. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've mm-hmm. already tweaked our training. We, we've yes. made a number of little adjustments to it, but the fundamental core of it has remained the same from what we did this summer. We've just changed some of the, some of the details. Um, so I, I don't know if, um, if, if we're going to expect any sort of major you know, giant changes for the spring compared to what we did for fall. I would expect similar sorts of ratios of what's online to what's not, uh, the credit hours, the kinds Mm -hmm. of modalities that we're Mm -hmm. delivering in. Um, Mm -hmm. I expect a lot of that to be the same. You know, I say that now having just started these conversations, but uh, that's that's my sense. I mean, absent anything coming out of left field, right? Exactly, Uh, right. It's easy to say in the middle of September, right, that without knowing, right? So who knows what could happen between now and and the end of the calendar year. But, uh, you know, if everything stays the course, then then yeah. So I, I think, you know, my thinking anyway, I jotted some notes down, as you know, was what are the principles that will get us through, uh, even if something comes out of left field? So I threw a couple of these down, and um, I'll mention a couple and see what you think, and if you want to add anything to them. I think some of these are just summarizing maybe some of the themes that have emerged in our in our previous field reports but you know one is the importance of fostering resilience in our practice right because if you're resilient then your approach is less prone to disruption that thing comes out of the le- out of left field i said recently tom i was covering for you in a in a blend flex uh presentation and i said it's like a Florida palm tree, you know, <laughs> you know, that can sway in the hurricane force winds. You know, you need you need some flexibility. You need some resilience. Yeah. Bend, don't break. Yeah. Bend, don't break. You know, your approach has to be resilient. Would you agree with that? That's a- I would totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. We had a tropical depression blow through the state over the weekend, and I was happened to be in South Florida where it was going through, and I, I was had that exact observation as I sat and watched the palm trees get blown you know, halfway over, but bounce back up. Yeah, the reason they adapted that way, right? right. It works. It works for them. So, you know, I guess what are things that help us foster resilience? And one of the things I thought of was avoiding extremes and rigidity in our thinking and in our processes. Yeah, well, also kind of what we've tried to do in some of the training is minimize the the thou shalt's, the yes. absolutely non-negotiables, yes. Yes. and instead sort of provide kind of guardrails. You know, I, yes. I think about it when I took my son when he was a little bowling, and they'd put up the guardrails so that you can't get a gutter ball. <laughs> um, but that ball can roll all over the place inside that lane <laughs> as much as it wants, <laughs> as fast or as slow as it wants. And I think about that. So we just need to set up the guardrails for faculty and for our administrative systems so that everything else can kind of be uh, up to, to those who, are, who have agency and expertise yeah. to run it how, how they see fit. We just need to make sure that we keep them out of, out of trouble or, um, or difficulty. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, any other ways that you can think of that are, are just good pieces of advice for fostering Certainly resilience? Certainly the training, right? Mm-hmm. Providing training for faculty mm-hmm. so that they're, they're um, enabled and empowered to, to solve yeah. their own problems in many yeah. ways. Uh, that that's been helpful, but also uh, the wraparound support services, mm-hmm. if you can provide it, um, so that when somebody gets in trouble, you can immediately kind of you know parachute in and, and help. <laughs> um, those are those are two ideas. Yeah, I think that those are really good. Um, they're part of our practice every day, but I think you know that that's a very good reminder that that's one of the reasons I think we fared pretty well here at UCF in the initial uh, March 2020 pivot because. We had some of that built into our processes already. Not everybody does. And then another one, I guess, that comes to my mind that I know we keep echoing on every single one of these uh, episodes, it seems like, relying more and more on actual online design. That seems to me to be the least uh, susceptible to disruption kind of approach. Again and again, the ones that are actually real online courses, folks are like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's it's, it's, it's working. It, we weathered the storm. Right. Right. Yeah. And we have a lot of those. So and we have a lot of faculty trained to prepare and deliver those. So that that's helped. Uh, And I think we'll probably see more because we're going to be training a whole bunch more faculty Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. fall so that we may see more of these courses uh, in the spring. Um, And in the comparison to to what has to be face to face, I think we will continue that practice Mm -hmm. of of looking at what has to be a face-to-face experience, whether it's a performance mm-hmm. course or some mm-hmm. laboratory or something, yeah. um, as well as some of those courses that are are correlated with first time in college student right. retention, right. Right. you know, the kind of freshman experience that it's important to uh, have the student engage. Um, we do have some of that in the mixture uh, yeah. that that's not as big a driver as the pedagogical mm-hmm, rationale mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. why something should be face-to-face, but it, but it is part of the calculus. Mm-hmm. Because frankly, we've gotten a lot of pressure from students mm-hmm. to be back face-to-face, yeah. Yeah. which is ironic because you keep hearing about, you know, these die-ins at institutions where students will lay down and say, you're putting us at risk. And <clears throat> we know that faculty have had some objections uh, all over the country about, about coming back, but here, it's been really interesting. Like even the survey that students did themselves, it was very binary. Mm-hmm. It's like half had concerns about coming back, but half were like, mm-hmm. we want to come back. So those are the, it was mostly the freshmen that wanted to be here. And again, that's a little bit of that finding a, a, a healthy, helpful middle ground, right? But right. Balance between extremes. I think that has been good here at our institution, not only online, but, but making good strategic use of online, not only face-to-face, prioritizing online, but think what has to be face-to-face. And um, I think we'll do more of that probably in the in the spring. I know we need to probably get heading toward the the, the runway um, here to land this uh, plane. Wrap. Anything else that you would think that we need to say as folks are beginning to think about spring 2021? Uh, the only thing I might say is that, um, you know, have your plan, mm-hmm. but, you know, who is it... Um, was it MacArthur or General Bradley or somebody, some famous general said that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, plans are worthless, but planning is everything, right? Some, I'm, I'm botching it, uh, the quote, yeah, but the, the sentiment is, I think, true, even here. Uh, so have your plan, mm-hmm. but the planning exercise, but also know what your contingencies are, because we yeah. all want to be data informed. And as you said, if something happens, say there's a giant outbreak mm-hmm. and it's just not safe, 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, you need to be prepared at whatever point to to pivot to something else. Yeah. Um, and and whether that's delivering courses online or mm-hmm. quarantining a whole sorority house, which mm-hmm. is going on at UCF right now, <laughs> you know, all of that. Uh, you know, you have have your have your contingency plans as well. You know, I might just make a quick um, plug. You and I were talking about beforehand. I, if you haven't found the Ed Surge on Air podcast and the mini series that Jeff Young has been doing on, I think he calls it the uh, pandemic campus diaries. I found I find them just uh, just so captivating and visceral. Faculty and student voices from around the U.S. Um, in real time, practically, uh, talking about their experience with all this. And it just was really grounding. And we think we know kind of the right track, but you, when, you, when you hear a student mulling over their thought process, it really crystallizes. Friend of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff Young. Good yeah. guy. Yep. You want to land this plane? Sure. So um, the, the way ahead, as long as the COVID-19 crisis remains, uh, will involve uh, more and more focusing on on resilience yeah. and relying on actual online courses, well-designed, intentionally designed, mm-hmm. primarily asynchronous online mm-hmm. courses, mm-hmm. as well as flexibility in our thinking, I think will continue to be critical mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Well, well said. Um, I'll make one uh, shameless plug, if I can, before we sign off, um, if you don't mind. Plug away. We are pleased to announce, dear listeners, that we have a special event coming up for our TopCast listeners this November 2020. We haven't done a special event in a while, and certainly nothing like this. We're billing it as the TopCast and Friends Holiday Special. There'll be a bit of whimsy, some special guests, and opportunities for all of us to dialogue about our year-end reflections, and our hopes for the new year in our field. If you want to be in the room where it happens, you need to register for free now using the following web form link, which also includes more info, including the actual date. Notice I'm cagily not saying. So that link is bit.ly, B-I-T slash topcast holiday, bit.ly slash topcast holiday, lowercase, no spaces. Go check it out. Reserve your space. It's free. Um, we'll, we'll promote it widely uh, beyond. But if you want to be in there and we can actually have a conversation with you, be in uh, the room, then you need to sign up. Yeah, join us. This is uh, this will be a first. It'll be a, uh, a holiday extravaganza here at, uh, at Topcast. It'll be yeah. cool. Yeah, I think so. All right. So maybe that's a, that's a good place to, to wrap it up. So until next time, for TopCast, I'm Tom. I'm Kelvin. See ya.